Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Been in Manchester now about 30 years. In fact, those who were around uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a little um, barbecue. I say little barbecue, big barbecue, many barbecues, uh, just uh, celebrating the fact that I've uh, been doing this for a few years and um, reaching a great old age where I can get a uh, free bus pass. But... Um, um, uh, but when I first came to Manchester, I'd planted two churches, and uh, with kind of relative success, not brilliant, um, survival was kind of the name of the game, really, um, and uh, just learning what to do. So I came to Manchester and uh, started what is now South Manchester Family Church, and um, I remember that... Uh, Really, our goal in my head was, let's grow, we were in Parswood, Big Hall, let's grow this so it doesn't look embarrassing that <laughs> we're rattling around in a big hall. And uh, so really we're focusing on gathering people. And I went to a conference a year or two into that down in Brighton, and a friend of mine, Simon Petter, uh, was one of the conference speakers, and uh, he gave a talk and he titled it Remembering the Poor, and he took it from where Paul had gone to Jerusalem and was um, telling the Jerusalem apostles what was happening to the Gentile world and all the churches that were being planted, and, and really trying to make sure that everybody was on the same page, theologically, etc., etc. And so they, they, were, they were grateful, and they really wanted to bless him, and, but they said these words to him. Um, we want you to always remember the poor. And Paul said, that's what I want to do. And I remember as I was sitting there listening to this, feeling massively convicted that actually I wasn't even in the slightest really remembering the poor. I mean, that's the honest truth. It was not something, you know, obviously I I would help I could, but do you know what I mean? It wasn't something that, was deep in my soul that actually that Jesus actually came to bring good news to the poor. Actually, the poor were really, really important in the eyes of God and uh, Jesus when he was on this earth. And so when I came back, I realized actually we we were ill-equipped to even think how we were going to do this. And uh, I knew there was two or three people in the congregation who in the past had been involved in homeless projects and uh, other sort of things. And I actually went to uh, a few of them and I said, look, I feel like we have got to change. Something has got to change radically in us and in me that actually we shift from uh, just thinking of gathering to also really an emphasis on on the poor. Uh, But I said, I can generally say this, I, I know how to plant a church. I don't know how to develop a ministry uh, with the poor. And so I said, what I want you to do, I want, if you're willing, will you gather with me? And it, I think it was like in June, June, July at that time, all through the summer, once a week. And I want us to pray 
that God gives us a worker who can actually lead us in this so that actually we can actually learn and actually be led. And so every week, just a few hours, we would gather for an hour, hour and a half, and we'll just pray our hearts out. God, send the right people that can actually help us to do this uh, work so that actually as a church, it becomes part of who we are. And so we prayed week after week, and then at the end of the summer, I vividly remember feeling like God saying to me, your prayer calling has been answered. Your prayer of this group has been answered. So I said to the group, we're actually going to stop now. I honestly believe that prayer uh, has been answered. Very rare that's happened to me. Do you know what I mean? In terms of being so convinced. But I, I just was, so we stopped, and then I just waited. And then one Sunday morning, a couple came to the church, and as I always do, any newbies, um, I'm like over them like a rash. You know, I'm kind of straight there talking to them, because basically, and you've not found that most of the leaders in CCM, basically, uh, it's kind of, we, we love new people, so um, talking to them. So I went to these this couple and uh, introduced myself and they introduced themselves to me and they said uh, look Colin it's our first time here and this is our story we have been going to a church near the center of town and uh, that church because it's actually not that very big have, uh, have decided to close down nothing gone wrong I don't think it had just literally I think uh, run out of energy and, uh, and they said, look, so we're looking for a new church. We don't really want to find a new church, but that's where we are, you know, not church hoppers. And they said, but we have one condition that we've been praying to God about. And, uh, and that's this, that we run a little charity called the Mustard Tree. And uh, in those days, a really little charity, a few, just one or two thousand, did soup run mainly in the center of town Sunday nights. And we're looking for a church that would embrace it and embrace us. You know, I stood in front of them. I, I nearly cried. My dog died yesterday, so I might cry because of that as well. But uh, um, So I'm a little bit emotional. But you can imagine, I just said to them, you are totally the answer to what we've been praying for. And that was Dave and Shona Smith. Some of you would know them. And they've been part of South Manchester for years. They've just relocated because they've gone to live in another part of the city. But and within a year, numbers of the church were out on Sunday nights, including my wife, on the suit run. Radically, radically changed the church, radically changed my life to an extent that we had a notice here that in November, there's a big offering. We do it every November. And uh, that offering goes to the poor. And it's our biggest offering always we ever do. I think... Uh, I don't know, was it 50 or 60,000 we raised last November? I forgot what the exact figure is. It always blows my mind. And that came, I can honestly say, from a little prayer meeting where he prayed for some workers who radically changed the DNA of the church there, radically changed the DNA of my life. And actually, CCM has just been just part of that process of, uh, of that. And so... Basically, we're going to be looking this morning at a prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I want to say this. As a pioneer, 
I put it on par as what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Because it is the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord taught it. And, uh, it's, and it says this, the Lord said this, Jesus, in Matthew 9, 37. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. This is a fantastic prayer for anybody that wants to see the kingdom of God come. Anybody who wants to see breakthrough. Anybody who wants to see new churches planted, new ministries started. Jesus gives us his prayer. It's a prayer that can relocate somebody from anywhere in the world to the place that you want. Isn't that remarkable? And I'm going to give you one or two stories over the time of answers to prayer. And I can honestly say this, that that prayer has been answered tons of times in my life. I can honestly say I've prayed for others who have been wanting something to break through, but they needed more workers. And I know faith has been imparted because this is the Lord's prayer. (laughs) That uh, if we pray to him, he will send workers into the harvest field. Isn't that remarkable? There is never a shortage of workers because God is in charge of all the workers. So, you know, we can pray for Chinese to move here. We can pray for Africans, for Latinos, all sorts of people to move into your street, into your neighborhood, into the area you want. Because God is in charge of the harvest. And so that's what we're going to look at briefly this morning. So let's just look a little bit of context when, you know, what context did this prayer come in? When did Jesus say it? Well, in Matthew 9... Verse 35, it says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So that's the few verses before the verse I've just read. I mean, if you were one of the apostles, this would have been good days, happy days. You had just given up your day job whether it was a tax collector or a fisherman or whatever, and made a radical decision that you would follow Jesus and trust that what he said he would do. Massive, massive commitment. And, uh, and you could imagine them being so happy that he said, we're going to announce the kingdom of God, we're going to preach and we're going to heal the sick. And there they go, village after village after village, every disease and sickness healed. You know, if they could do high fives in Hebrew, then that's what they would be doing. I don't know what the equivalent would be in Jesus's day, but there would have been some uh, serious rejoicing, (laughs) seriously happy apostles, because they were well liked as well. Could you imagine the next village hearing about that Jesus and his men were coming? They'd have been clapped in. Because they'd have all heard about the healings in the village before. So these were good days to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Good days to give up your day job. But there was a problem. And the problem you're probably thinking is, what is the problem? Well, I'm just going to read you the problem. And uh, see if you can see where the problem is. It says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in that area 
and uh, preach the gospel. So what is the problem? All the people got sick, were sick, got healed. What is the problem? Well, the problem is this. Jesus was walking about. He didn't have an aeroplane. He didn't have a big car. He didn't have a train that could get him there. It took time for him and his friends to actually go to the next village. It says he went to the villages in his area, in that area. But you know what? That was just a little, little bit of the whole of Israel. And he had three years in his mind to reach every village and every town in Israel. And so what we get here is what I class as relative success. <laughs> relative success. And it's relative because in its own world, it's massive success. If you're a part of a village where everybody gets healed, fab. If you're in a village that is 100 miles away and you know Jesus can't get there for ages, if ever at all, then it's not good. Can you see the, see the issue? And sometimes in our lives, relative success is our biggest hindrance. I was at Reddish a couple of weeks ago and uh, they're doing great. It's our fastest growing site that we've done. So basically, I think... 50 adults now, 40, 50 on the, if they all came, started with 10, 15. It's actually, you know, it's, it's really motoring new people and uh, lots of non-Christians around. It's, uh, lots of great things going there. And, uh, but actually, you know, and you can get comfortable filling room. It's like you guys here. I can remember being here when you were in the little conservative club. Mary said, I, I bet you're glad you're not going to the Conservative Club. She said, no, it was a Labour Club, wasn't it? I said, no, you're right. It was a Conservative Club. That's why it's bricked up um, in this area. No. <laughs> but that's the conversation we had just as I was coming in. But, you know, there was just a few people there round a snooker table, billiard table. Now we feel you come to a hall like this and it's the middle of summer and it's relatively full. You can feel okay, can't you? I mean, all around the sites, we can feel okay. It's been a good summer for us. But you know what? It's only relative success. You understand that? That actually, the success that God has given us, and there's some great success. We've seen some good miracles. We've seen lots of things happen. Actually, there is a whole world to be reached. <laughs> there's a whole world in Greater Manchester to be reached. And uh, that's what was happening to Jesus. Because you see, complacency can slip in if we're not careful. Because actually, it's okay. It's, uh, it's all doing good. One of my heroes of, uh, of the kind of missionary world is Hudson Taylor. And uh, Hudson Taylor, after, soon after he got converted, felt God call him to be a missionary in China. And uh, he said this, that uh, he knew if he went, it would probably cost him his life. And for a lot of missionaries in the 19th century there, they actually didn't even make it to where they were going. I mean, the, the boat trip alone took months. And uh, a lot of people would just die, actually, through shipwrecks, through illness, through just terrible life on, a, on those uh, sailing 
boats, but he arrived in Shanghai and basically started to do some really radical things. He lived and dressed like a Chinese person, which was totally radical to the Western guys and uh, girls that were going there as missionaries. He didn't stay in the, on the coastline behind kind of uh, gated communities <laughs> that uh, kept them safe. He began to travel into the inland area. He began to see people uh, heal because he was a doctor. He began to use his medicine. He began to see people safe. It actually, as a missionary in those days in China, which was totally unevangelized, really, he had some success. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, I say, against most of the other missionaries, he would have been seen as a successful, radical missionary. And I want to just look at his life in a little bit and just see the things that altered for him that the same that we have in the text here. So let's get back to the text. Matthew 9.36 says this, When he saw the crowds, that is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So here's Jesus. He's healing everybody. Yet something in his mind is seeing crowds that were uh, like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, he's the great shepherd. So it couldn't have been the people in the village <laughs> that he was actually there. But actually, Jesus, in his mind's eye now, was seeing all the people he couldn't reach. Something in his heart was breaking that he couldn't be quick enough with his little group to get to enough villagers to actually bring the good news of the kingdom of heaven and to heal the broken, to bring good news to the poor, to see lives change because the kingdom of God was pressing in. I've been reading through the uh, Bible commentary that was written by 70 African scholars. And uh, it's really fascinating reading a commentary from an African perspective. And uh, I'm just using it. I'm going through David at the moment and, uh, and through 1 and 2 Samuel and just getting the story, even the way he has numbers of wives, loads of things, you get a, a, a very different perspective from an African theologian. And I say, and one of them on this verse says this, this is what Jesus is seeing. He's seeing confused and helpless people, sheep like without a shepherd, with all sorts of people who were taking advantage of them. Politically, they bore the burden of heavy taxes, servitude and human rights violations. The religious leaders were not teaching, providing pastoral care or helping with material needs. They endured leprosy, fevers, chronic illnesses, demon possession, blindness, paralysis, and many other troubles. This theologian said, actually, this was the people of Israel. And when you're living in an African context, you feel the need, you feel the burden of oppression, of the Romans being there, of illnesses that there's not enough doctors and medics to help them out. And so for Jesus, this was going to take a massive shift in the way he was going to do his ministry from here onwards. You see, because 
compassion changes things. For me, when I heard the story and the preach about remembering the poor, it was compassion that got hold of me. It was compassion that made me get back to Manchester thinking, we cannot build the church the same as we've been doing. I cannot hear this message and know of the numbers of people who are hurting, who are poor, who are destitute or are homeless without it changing how we did church and how we served the poor. Compassion is a massive motivator. And it's a great motivator. And this compassion that came upon Jesus as he, he, he saw all the people in his mind that he could not reach with leprosy and blindness and poverty, as the theologian talks about, destitute, knowing that the sh- good shepherd could not get to them <laughs> quick enough. And that the supposedly shepherds of the time were not looking after them properly. And so this was breaking his heart. Hudson Taylor, my hero, he's back from China on a furlough. He's down on the south coast and uh, it says this, he was attending a church in an English seaside town. And he said this, unable to bear the sight of a congregation of a thousand or more Christians, people rejoicing in their own security while millions in China were perishing for lack of knowledge. I, Hudson Taylor, wandered out on the sands alone. He left the church. He just couldn't handle that actually there was no thought of the lost in this congregation. They were just happy to be secure in their own world. He said this, that I wandered out of the sands alone in great spiritual agony, and there the Lord conquered my unbelief, and I I surrendered myself to God for his service. And in that moment, he started to pray for more workers to go to inland China. And... uh, God began to break his heart so much that he prayed this prayer knowing that a numbers of the people he was going to pray for, men and women, would die in the process. And that was massive for him. How could he even ask people to go? Because he knew what it was like there. But as God brought compassion on him, the need of the multitude conquered his heart. <laughs> And he's prayed, God, give me workers. (laughs) Let me go back with more than me. I I can't do it on me. It's like Jesus has one band. It was not enough on his own. It had to multiply. There had to be more workers about. And that's exactly what happened to Hudson Taylor. And he says this, need I say this, this is Hudson Taylor, peace at once flowed into my burdened heart. There and then I asked him for 24 workers, two for each of the 11 inland provinces which were without a missionary and let's have two for Mongolia. It's like he couldn't even live just with China, he wanted Mongolia reaches out. And he's praying for two people to go to Mongolia. Two people to go to inland China. We think it's a big deal to send 10 to Reddish. 
You are very brave, Colin, people say, starting these things. I'm thinking that is not bravery. This is bravery. Asking two ladies to go to inland China and preach the gospel to people who have no idea what the gospel is. To go to Mongolia. That's bravery. And it broke his heart. And so, what next? So, just as we come in to bring this into a, a land. Matthew 9.37, Jesus basically told people to pray this brilliant prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send people into the harvest field. And uh, you know what? For me, I remember in lockdown going around uh, Kringle Park near where I live. And, uh, and you just had to do it on your own. <laughs> and I remember God saying to me, you're 65, Colin. And I told you to do 20 churches and you've only done about 14. And uh, I remember having this conversation and thinking, man alive, I need to get cracking. God, give me six more congregations, six more. You promised me, oh, now I want six more. And I pray this prayer, Lord of the harvest. I keep, and it's been my prayer for years and years. Lord, give me six more leaders and teams to start six more sites and let the other leaders of CCM agree. <laughs> which wasn't the easiest thing when you're in lockdown. <laughs> and you see, we were doing okay. Actually, we were holding our own. But God was saying, holding your own is not good enough. Holding your own is not reaching what God has called you to do. And I remember praying my heart out, walking around with my dog, Kringle Park. And then a few months later, Rosie, who's one of our staff members, leaders in... in um, Fallowfield, she just said to me, Colin, you know, God's been speaking to me. Um, she's a fluent Spanish speaker. She's lived in Latin America. She said, God's been speaking to me I need to start a Latino congregation. And then just a after that, James rang me. He said, James was with us in Lady Barn. And he said, Colin, I've just bought a house in Reddish would you like me to help you start a congregation in Reddish? God answers these prayers. Got four more to go. I want one in the northern quarter. We need one in Denton. Praying like mad. God, give us the workers. It's the Lord's Prayer. And so, basically, that's what I'm encouraging us to pray. I don't want us to get safe and secure in this building. That we have to think, it's great, we have new chairs, more chairs, we fill up. No, actually, this is only relative success. Success is bringing the kingdom of God to all those in the areas around us. And you know what? Let's pray for some missionaries to go to Mongolia as well from Reddish. Let's do the bonus question. Let's do the bonus prayer. <laughs> Not just inland China, Lord, but Mongolia. Don't let's forget Mongolia as well. You know, Denton, Northern Quarter, North Manchester, other places. God, don't forget continental Europe. 
send missionaries. And then, basically, Jesus turns to his disciples and says this, by the way, that's a big prayer, but it's going to start with you. (laughs) And you're going to be the first answer to this prayer. I'm going to divide you now into little groups of two. And you're going to go and do exactly what we're doing. And we're going to multiply our mission sixfold. We're going to get to six more villages at a time than we can do now. And very soon after that, he got another 70. (laughs) And he said exactly the same thing. Can you see that somehow this prayer was going to bring new workers in, but also was getting into the hearts of the people who were praying it as well. So they were praying that God would bring people from all the parts of the world as workers into the harvest field, but actually not as passengers and people that were spectators and prayers, but also people caught up in the Great Commission. That's why when Rosie rang, she'd been praying for a congregation in Latinos, but she knew she was part of the answer to a congregation in Latinos. She said, I don't even know what to do, Colin. I said, well, you've got one more advantage than I've got. You can speak Spanish. And then you've got another advantage. Your heart's broken for them. And you've got another uh, advantage. You live in a plot of Manchester where there's lots of them. And that's what we're doing. We're gathering Latinos. That's why we have the, even a conference now that's actually gathering from not just Manchester, but wide open. Isn't it great? One girl, student with us radically transformed by the gospel. One of our main leaders now, helping run Fallowfield, but on as a bonus, let's do a Latino congregation as well. Praying like mad for more workers, but she's part of the answer. And that's exactly what Jesus said to the 12. That's what we are here in Gordon. We're praying and we're also part of the answer. It's good news. And... Uh, just finishing off with Hudson Taylor and then we'll, we'll worship. In 1900s, that was, you know, I don't 30, 40 years after that sort of time frame. This is what one man did, okay? Says this. He had 811 missionaries in inland China, including wives and associates, 171 mission stations, 223 outstations, so they were mission stations out of the mission stations, 387 chapels, 581 paid Chinese helpers, 193 unpaid Chinese helpers, 8,557 communicants in fellowship, (laughs) these churches 12,964 had been baptized and then there was boarding scholars there was day scholars there was six hospitals and there was 46 opium refugees that's in the 1900s a few years today there's millions and millions and millions of Chinese converted because one man, and some others as well, not just Hudson Taylor, but he was a key player 
in actually praying this prayer on a beach. <laughs> Lord, send workers into inland China. And when the communists kicked them all out, there was enough life and vitality in China that effectively it's one of the biggest, fastest revival churches now in the world.